Welcome to the Life Well-Lived Podcast. I'm Kayla Brandon, a holistic health coach and wellness enthusiast. I am absolutely obsessed with learning about people who live their most authentic lives. In this podcast, you'll hear stories about those who truly live a life well-lived and what they do mentally, spiritually, and physically to get there. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump into your daily dose of practical advice on pursuing a life with purpose and passion. This week, I interviewed Shelly Kay, a leading career coach, speaker, and expert in changing the way women work. She's all about expanding women's leadership and maximizing their impact without burning out. She brings more than 10 years of HR leadership experience at Fortune 100 companies like Google, PepsiCo, and GE, helping high-achieving women have it all, both inside and outside the office. In this episode, we discuss practical ways to beat burnout, what management looks for in high-potential employees, finding gratitude in your current job, work-life harmony, and so much more. Without further ado, let's get into it. Shelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kayla. So good to be here. I am super stoked that you're on because we connected on social media and I immediately felt like you were filling a void that I feel like is so necessary in the podcasting space, at least the podcast I listen to in the wellness space. Most people don't really talk about their career and leadership and advancing. And I feel like there's kind of this movement of just kind of going with the flow of, of life and kind of not taking ownership of your career. And so it's really refreshing to see someone like you helping people do this. So um, before we get into all that, I guess, tell the audience who you are and, and what you're doing today. Yes. I am Shelly Kay, and I am a career and leadership coach for women. I, I have a background in corporate HR, so that's kind of where I came from. But during that time, I just really felt for myself that I could have a career that I loved that supported a balanced life and a fulfilling life. And um, I saw a lot of women accomplish that. And I saw a lot of women feeling really overworked and disconnected from the passion in their work and really craving that and having so many gifts to give. Um, so that's why I started my coaching practice because I know that every woman can have a career that she loves and that career can support a very full life. And we often just need some new perspectives and new tools and the right support to give us, to get us there. And that's what I'm really committed to providing. That's so cool. And I'd love to circle back on your corporate experience because the listeners know that I'm currently a corporate baddie. I still do the nine to five grind. I actually pretty really like my job right now at least. Um, and I know that you have also worked at some pretty big companies. So if you're comfortable sharing, I'd love to get into what you were kind of doing before. I know you said HR and kind of how you're like translating that to use it f to help your clients. Yeah. Yeah. So I have always worked for really large Fortune 100 organizations. Out of school, I started working at GE, which is not so big anymore. But at the time, it was like the idol company. Um, and from there, so I actually started in finance. That was my the first piece of my career journey as I went into an industry a function that I really wasn't passionate about, but I did it because it was practical and it looked good on paper. And let me tell you, I was not happy. 
And um, so I pretty quickly made the switch into HR and um, had like fantastic experience. But at the time, the business that I was working for was going through a divestiture. And I'm kind of like, my specialty is becoming layoffs. And I don't feel that that is what I want my niche to be. So I um, left GE where I started my career and worked for PepsiCo in HR, um, very similar organizations from an HR perspective, um, but very different products. I was working on the banking side at GE. PepsiCo is all about soda, chips, oatmeal, you know, Tropicana, Gatorade. So um so it, that was great. And I ended up moving from New York to Texas with PepsiCo. And then was really, that's where I was feeling like I've got the balanced lifestyle. I like the work that I'm doing, but I want to be doing activities that I'm really excited about outside of work. And for me, that's the outdoor scene. I love hiking. I love skiing. I am just all about that life. And you can't do that in Dallas, Texas. So I was looking to to get West for the lifestyle piece, got headhunted for a role at Google, finished my HR career at Google, loved Google, had an amazing experience there. They helped support me in getting my coaching certification. Um, so really like so positive, but it ultimately came down to in terms of how do I take that experience and help my clients as an HR professional, you see a lot, right? Like you're navigating your own career. So you understand the politics, you understand how it works. You also see the back end of things of like how someone gets promoted, how decisions are made, how executives think. And as an HR professional, you're limited in what you can share with employees and managers that you're working with. And you're limited in the kind of guidance that you can provide. Like, I'm not going to give someone, you know, a boundaries 101 chat when we're meeting to talk about their performance or whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm there as a representative of the company and that's a super helpful role, but I ultimately felt like there was a gap, like you were saying, and I had the perspective to fill it. I had the expertise. Um, and then, you know, I had the coaching and the passion. So it really came down to, I want to help the same people. And I think my impact is going to come from a different angle. That's so cool. I'm so intrigued to hear more about your clients and like what a typical mm. client kind of comes to you for what are their character characteristics? Where are they at in their careers? Um, just for the audience, I know just by demographics and looking at analytics behind the scenes of this podcast, there's a lot of women between the ages of 18 and 34. So I feel like those are prime years to not only obviously get your education, college and, and, and beyond, but then also start your career and then be somewhere near mid-career almost. So yeah. talk to those women because I feel like those are the women that need the most help in getting promoted. Yes. Yes. So my clients range from 28 to like mid fifties even. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's a full range. And typically when a woman comes to me, she is successful. Like she's doing a great job in her role. 
fantastic performance reviews, all the things. On the outside, she looks like everything is perfect. Um, but she is feeling extremely overworked and has gotten to the point where she's not enjoying her work because it has just become so stressful and overwhelming. And typically what she says to me is that she needs a new job. And like 95% of my clients end up wanting to stay in their jobs after our work together, which is just interesting. Um, but it, I would say the lesson that my clients learn over and over is how much power they actually have in their careers. And that's really the core of the work that I do is to help you be empowered. And often when women are coming to me feeling overworked, feeling burnt out, they don't feel empowered. And they say that they crave that. And our minds always go to the external circumstances, right? Like I need a new job to make me feel empowered, but actually you can, if you don't change your strategy, you can go into any situation and the same cycle is going to repeat. Like eventually you're not going to feel empowered in that job either. So we really have to get to the core of what you are doing, what you're believing, how you're showing up right here, right now. And when we make that empowered, it changes the entire dynamic in your current situation. And you will be surprised at the opportunities that you naturally attract as a result. So it's kind of like a chicken or the egg situation. You know, what yeah. What do you need first and what comes first in order to feel fulfilled but also propel to the next level in your career? And I can yeah. totally see why people would want to work with you because – Really, it's super hard to start over at a company. You've obviously done it. I have done it. Um, mm -hmm. It's not impossible. People do it every day. But the more you, the longer you stay at a company, the more you have connections and relationships. And those networks really are what move your career. Aside from you know the, the hard work and the and the attributes that you bring to the company that people want, it's it's really about who you know. So having people just stay in their own role or even their own company and and find the empowerment within that is incredibly important, especially for people who want to have longevity at a company. Because I, I think a lot of us, you know, millennials, I can speak from that perspective. Sometimes I think in the beginning of your career, you're just kind of bouncing around trying to find the right fit. And then it's kind of like a game of musical chairs until you sit down and you're like, well, I'm staying here for at least five years. Absolutely. It has to be five years because I can't do another one year stint anywhere else. Um, I don't know if you have experience working with people like that too, because I, I do think that's a, a common trend with our age group. Definitely. I like on Instagram when I do like a QA or different polls, I always get that question of like, will it look bad if I leave after one year again? Or, you know, will um, yeah, will it be used against me? Should I stick this out, even though I could make more money somewhere else, but I've only been here for a year. And I think the optics of the resume aside, it's about making really intentional decisions in the job search process. And I think when we are chasing our job to make us happy, it's 
it's easy to want to keep jumping and do the musical chairs. But when we realize I can make myself happy anywhere, what, like, what's the most optimal situation for me? It changes the dynamic. And ideally, from that place, you won't want to be changing jobs, changing companies every year. This is a very refreshing perspective. So I want to learn more about what you've found most common with these people who feel like work and their careers kind of get in the way of living their most authentic lives, which is what this podcast is all about, is living your most authentic life, whatever that means to you, and also living it well, holistically. Um, so what have you found that's been the most common trait amongst this group of people that just doesn't feel like they can achieve that because they their job is getting in the way? Yeah, I would say so many traits. But the first thing I would say is this is a group of women that really cares and wants to make a difference and wants to do work that matters. And they take their work seriously. And that is such a beautiful thing. And it's so important, right? We need more women in this world doing work that they really care about. Because like all the stats are there, right? Companies with more female executives perform better, invest better, are more socially responsible. Companies that have more women in management, same thing, better employee surveys, all of this. And it's like, not to mention the ideas that come out of women when they are excited and, and turned on by, by what they're doing in their careers. So I think it's a group of women that really wants to make a difference and cares about what they do. The flip side of that is that there's a cycle, a pattern that happens. I'm sure you can relate to this, Kayla. When we get out of college, we enter the corporate world. We are the lowest man on the totem pole. How do we prove ourselves but through hard work and really like putting in the hours, buckling down, nose to the grindstone? And I don't know what your experience was, but I got a lot of praise for that when I was fresh out of college. And you start to make that connection of, oh, I care about the work. The way to do good work is to work really hard. And that's how other people recognize the work so that I can continue to progress and do things that matter. And in that process, again, this is my opinion, we become, the work turns from something that we care about to the checklist and going through the motions to produce. And we, we forget that whole reason of why we're doing the work in the first place and why we started down this path in the first place. And we lose that connection with our desire to make impact because we are so focused on being productive. And that chasing the productivity is what disconnects us from the passion. It what it's what leads us to burnout and it's what disconnects us from our genius, which is really going to make the impact. And so this that's the cycle that I really break with my clients is to realize hey, we all, yes, work ethic is a very important thing, but it is not 
your greatest asset. It is not your greatest gift. And you do not have to overwork yourself in order to do the things you want to do. The more authentic path to landing the impact that you're here to have is by leaning into these other strengths you have that you're not fully giving attention to because we're so focused on the over the workhorse mentality. In that same vein, do you actually believe there is a work-life balance? Because we obviously have mm. to do all of the work, right? And I'm a firm believer in boundaries. I think if you tried to get everything on your to-do list done in a day, you're just never going to get it done. You'd be working yeah. like 24 hours a day. And you'd still have stuff on your list. So I, I'm a firm believer in just cutting it off at a certain point and saying, okay, I did the best yeah. I could with the time I had. And some days you're not going to do the best that you could have done because mm -hmm. maybe something's going on in your personal life or maybe you're – you know, if you're a girl, it's that time of the month. I'm not sure. There's so many different reasons why you didn't like maximize your output. But you have to ha – I personally believe in boundaries and you have to cut it off at a certain time. And I feel as though that I come back to work the next morning and I'm like I'm, – I'm ready to go because I've had that mm -hmm. time to disconnect. So that's my version of work-life, quote-unquote, balance. I don't really think that exists, but I would love your perspective yeah. on that as a coach in this space. Yeah. That's another thing that women come to me wanting, the work-life balance, the infamous work-life balance. Um and I think I like to think about it as work-life harmony because balance implies that there's a set point, right? Where there's going to be this perfect evil equilibrium that we need to try to achieve. And sometimes trying to achieve it becomes more stressful <laughs> than not having it in the first place. So I like to think of it as work-life harmony. And what I learned in my coaching certification is that ultimately balance is just about having a choice. And so I empower my clients to always be thinking about their choices. And, you know, if, if you choose to maybe choosing to work later actually is supporting your life and maybe leaving work early one day is actually supporting your work too. You know, it just, it, um, it depends on the situation. And when we think about work and life as being in harmony and supporting each other, right? Like if you have different instruments in an orchestra, sometimes one is going to be a little louder Sometimes the other is going to have a solo or whatever, and that's okay as long as they are working together and supporting each other because our work does do amazing things for our life, right? It provides the funds. It provides like, I'm sure you, you being a working mom makes you a better parent to your children, right? Like we get so much out of work. Um, and how can we take a step back and assess our individual choices to say, okay, like what is the right move for me today, right here? What is most supportive overall? Is leaning into work going to support my life or has life been going in the background and I need to like turn up the volume on life and let work support for a little bit? I think so much of what you said 
has to do with the burnout issue that we're facing. I I would almost venture to call this like an epidemic at this point because it is it's everywhere. Everyone's talking about burnout, how they like don't even take vacations anymore. They haven't taken a real vacation in three years. And um, this is just such a common issue for people, but especially for women. And I would say it's doubly true for working moms because you are working, like you said, to support your family. So you're – I swear they are the best bang for corporations' bucks because they will give you 150% and they will be so grateful for the opportunity to do that because Mm -hmm. you offer – you know, PTO and sick leave to take their kids to the doctor and maybe a subsidy for, you know, healthcare or um, a subsidy for daycare or something like that. So working moms are going to give you so much in a day because they're efficient with their time. And I can say that from experience. So talk to us a little bit about burnout and how can people avoid it other than obviously having that work-life harmony that you talked about, which I love and fully support. Um, Do you have any other tips for people? Yes. My biggest tip is to come back to your why. Because I think with burnout, and I do this myself too, it's easy to go through the list of things to add to our plate. Like, oh, I'm starting to feel burnt out. So let me meal prep this like vegan, organic, whatever thing that I'm going to have like five small snacks a day and let me meditate for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. And like all of a sudden it becomes more work for us. And I think it's so energizing to come back to our passion And that is what we need more of. Like women just need more of it in our lives. Corporations need more of it in their employees. And so knowing what that bigger purpose is for you will change your entire workday and experience. Like whether it is, I am here to do this job so that my children can go to Disneyland and have their whatever Mickey Mouse backpacks when the school year starts, or you know, who knows, whatever it is, if that's if that's what's driving you right now in your career, that's fine. But bring it, bring it to your to-do list so that there's meaning behind these tasks. Um, because we all have a bigger purpose, or maybe your purpose is just about like having good health care. For yourself while you are navigating egg freezing or while you are going through IVF or whatever it is. And maybe this it's supporting another really big life goal for you. So how can you move through your day with the gratitude for what you're getting? Um, or maybe you started your job because the company is really passionate about some cause that aligns with you, but you forget about it once you're in the weeds. And so how can you connect back to that bigger picture? So That's my number one thing because when you are passionate, you will be energized and you will prioritize in a different way. And if people are listening and they are thinking to themselves, you know, I just don't know what I'm passionate about. Like where would you begin Mm. with them? Because I, I think that really is true for a lot of people that 
maybe they're doing it. It's just like means to an end. And yeah. they're like, well, I got to pay my rent. And obviously that's incredibly important. You, It would be horrible if people were homeless and didn't have jobs. And that is sadly true for a lot of people in our country and in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. However, if you are choosing to work at this job and it's providing you money for, you know, a roof over your head and like my dad always says, electrical and plumbing, all the things that you just forget about, I mean, GE, like electricity, yeah. um, those things are just – they we take them for granted. So I guess for someone who's can't identify the passion in their lives, how do they get inspired to reignite that? Yes. So I have a two-part answer for this one. Uh, the first is just this daily practice that has changed my life. A coach recommended it to me once and I still do it every day. Pick two things that you're grateful for. So in your job, pick two things that it's providing for you, two things that you like, just, just two gratitudes. Those two things will highlight to you like what you care about, what's a priority. And then pick one thing that you don't have yet. So is it your PTO for your vacation to Hawaii? Is it your company holiday party that has amazing karaoke and you always do the best job? Whatever it is, like pick one thing that hasn't happened yet and just notice where your mind goes um, when you practice those gratitudes. So that's the first thing. The second is to do a deeper exploration and go back to when you were a kid. And what did you like? Like, what did you care about? What were you passionate about? And then think about your favorite time of your life. Like in coaching, we call this a peak experience. Um, You know, we all have them, whether it's like college or your first job or whatever it was. Go back to that time in your life and see what was happening then? Was it because I was in community? Was it because I was doing this certain type of work? Was it because I was making an impact? Was it because I was allowed to wear flip-flops to work every day? And just get to know yourself again, right? Because um, we can forget those simple things as we as we kind of get lost. Like you were saying at the beginning, like feel like a, a, a leaf blowing in the wind in our careers and like someone else is managing it for us. Um, but doing those reflections, I always do them with my clients and there are golden nuggets every single time. That's fantastic advice. And I, I love the part where you said, what's one thing you don't have yet? Because that's a goal, right? Like that is something to look forward to and work toward as opposed to, um, you know, forgetting that there are things that are promised to us by our companies that they do come to fruition eventually, but you have to work for them. And I think we come, we kind of have a generation and maybe I'm just speaking for millennials, but I kind of feel like we have a generation of that just expects things to just be handed to them. Like they start the job and they're like, well, I I have a vacation coming up next week. So can I – you know, go ahead and take that. And I mean, some companies would just say, okay, start after your vacation. Some would say, take the PTO, but you'll have to earn it back. Some would say, go on the PTO, who cares? So every company has a different mindset, but it's like you have to find the right fit because I personally would go into it just saying, I'm going to start after the vacation. (laughs) Like why, why would I start and then, you know, take time off immediately? 
But you would be shocked some of the things that <laughs> you see in corporations today um, that just – everyone has like a different mindset on on that balance or the harmony. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to switch gears a little bit to people who are trying to progress in their careers, but they're currently more in – I don't want to say tactical, but I feel like that's the only word I can describe, but more mm-hmm. someone that's doing something like daily tasks, you know, the, the writing, the PowerPoint presentations, the decks, like if you're in consulting, I'm sure, like analysts, and they mm-hmm. are supporting their organization and they are, are fulfilled in that, but they have goals of one day being a leader at the company but they're not quite there yet. How can they show management that they do have the skills and maybe like the raw talent, I would venture to say, um, yes. but they they want to take on that responsibility, but they are not yet a manager. I feel like there's this like really gray area where mm-hmm. you can refine those leadership skills, but you have no one to manage and n- no one to lead really, but yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And um, leading yourself is the most important part of leadership. Really? So, yes, for sure. And that's why I say that my my coaching strategy is two parts. It's like one part self-leadership and one part career strategy because the self-leadership is what allows you to lead others. So I love that you said that. Um because doing that exploration, even what I just mentioned about going back and figuring out what do I care about, that's self-leadership. Setting boundaries is self-leadership. Um, and yeah, you can't show other people how to do that or get the respect that you desire if you aren't first clear on you. And um, I think what I would recommend starting with is having an opinion and sharing it. I hear women saying, yeah, like, I feel like I'm getting lost in the shuffle. Like I do really good work, but it's, I'm not getting recognized or seen as that leader. And I think every single woman, she might not recognize it yet, but I know this, you know this, every single woman has a really beneficial perspective and has unique gifts to share. And so I think as a first stage of self-leadership, taking a step back and thinking, what are my unique gifts? Do you work with a group of engineers who don't have a very high EQ, you know, and is that your, is that your muscle, right? Like we talked about you working with executives. I'm sure like as a communications expert, you have a wonderful skill set to see blind spots that others wouldn't necessarily think about. So um, I think it's knowing and just spending some time believing in the strengths that you have. And based on your work, what are the opportunities that you see? You know, is it, do you notice a certain trend or pattern in the data that you're analyzing? Is there one part of this tactical process that you support that is just freaking painful and like no other human on the earth should have to ever go through it again. Whatever, whatever you see as an opportunity and where you have strengths to see those blind spots, leverage them and then start to talk about them and solution, potential solutions, right? Is it streamlining of a, a process? Is it, oh, I'm noticing this trend in the data 
it would be beneficial for us to spend some more time in this place. And it can start small, but when you have an opinion and you share it, you will be recognized for the value that you bring to the table. Even if what you're sharing can't be prioritized right now and action can't be taken on it, showing that thought leadership and that you have these opinions, you have this perspective and actually you know, that you're taking advantage of the position that you're in to create and share perspective. That is like the baseline, you know, every talent review that I've ever been in, when a manager highlights that skill set, they're seen as, oh yeah, that's potential. That's going above and beyond. So that's where I always recommend starting. You just prompted such an invasive question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, based on your previous work. What are the qualities of a high pot or high potential um, candidate within major corporations? Um, We're specifically talking about Fortune uh, 500, 150 companies. Yes. I would say the ability to quickly learn quickly and pick things up quickly. The ability to adapt to changing situations, right? Like the only constant is change. And can you, can you pivot? Um, And then I think the third would be, I'm debating between leadership and attitude, but they kind of go together. I would say leadership. So like some ability, whether it's, can you show that you can mentor an intern? Can you show, you know, whatever it is, show that leadership capability so they know You have the presence that other people will follow you and they can get on board. And then the last piece I would say is, is the attitude. And you had mentioned the, the entitlement, which I have moments of it myself. I've had moments of it myself, right? And me too, you know, no one's perfect. Yeah. And, and there's varying degrees of it. Um, But are you willing to get your hands dirty? Are you willing to do the work and um, sometimes take one for the team, whatever it is, but having that attitude um, is also respected. Does not mean being a pushover people pleaser and not having any boundaries, Um, but I think there is definitely something to be said for willingness to jump in when it's needed. Absolutely. I think the best people to work with are the people that never ever say, that's not my job. Because people who say that are not team players. Because if they were, they would say, hey, you know, this might be out of scope for what I normally do, but I'm going to help out a teammate who needs me. And obviously they're asking for a reason. So um, thankfully, I really don't have a lot of that in my current role or even at my current company. But I have experienced that at other companies and it's mm. always just a red flag that that person is not someone I would ever want to follow into another area of the business. Um, so I would I would say that's my major um, quality that I guess don't, don't hone that. <laughs> if you could do everything you can, just be a team player and a collaborator and you should go far. But I am not the expert. You are. Um, and one of the last questions I want to ask is, talking about systems. So are there any Mm. systems that you've created in both your professional and your personal life that make managing them Mm. together so much easier 
and I, I'm fearful of even saying easier because it's never easy to manage work and your personal life. It's just, yeah. you know, it's always a struggle, especially if you, you love what you do. So I'm sure you spend a lot of hours doing that. Um, yeah. So I guess how do you make it less of an effort to manage both? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. And in listening to that question, I just realized I love having taking advantage of the little pockets in the day. I think it's so easy to think I need an hour to work out or I need two hours to relax or whatever that is. And I find that I am at my best when I can take a 15 minute walk between meetings or when I can have like a 45 minute, whatever coffee break, or even if it's just five minutes to do some breath work or listen to a song or dance around my kitchen a little bit before my next meeting, those little moments go such a long way for me. And I think it just makes the whole work process feel easier. And as an entrepreneur, this your business will take over your life. And sometimes I'm feeling really inspired. And so I want to work longer because I am so excited about something. Um, but then I know that I need to also like take some breaks to not completely, you know, burn myself out. So I like to take lots of little breaks. It's not a very um, scientific or structured system, <laughs> but that really does work for me. And, and you mentioned a few wellness practices I heard, just like walks mm. or meditation or breath work, um, dancing in your kitchen, fully support that too. So do you have any staple wellness practices that really keep you grounded so that you can show up in both your business and in your personal life fully? Yes. I do. I am pretty consistent with a morning meditation and morning journaling. So I'm a big fan of the five minute journal. I don't know if you've. If I love familiar. that. I've had yes. one. I've had them since 2019. Multiple. Yeah. At this point. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think I started in like 2017, 2018. So around the same time. Um, so the three gratitudes that they have in there that's where I write like my two that I already have, the one that hasn't happened yet. That in meditation does start the tone for my day. Um, one thing that really grounds me is stretching before bed. It's just like when I create space in my body, it releases part of my day. I sleep better. I feel better. I am pretty consistent with a fitness routine. I love to move my body. I do something like that every day. I'm always out walking my dog. So those things, yeah, my dancing, my breath work, you know, whatever. But I would say the book ending of the stretching at night and the morning practice, that's chef's kiss for me. I love it. So when do you find time to work out in your busy schedule? Are you, I know you mentioned like the meditation and and stuff in the morning, um, and then obviously stretching at night. So I'm thinking, okay, are you meditating before the workout, or is it like a lunchtime workout? Yeah. It depends. On a good day, I will meditate before the workout and then do the workout. 
Um, but sometimes that just doesn't happen. And it ends up being a lunch workout. It ends up being an after work workout. Um, sometimes it's not a workout at all. Sometimes it's a 10 minute <laughs> jumping jacks in my living room. Um, yes. So ideally in the morning, but really whenever I can get it in. I think that's smart because so many people put pressure to like follow this strict routine. And then if they, you know, if they don't work out at the same time every single day, then they feel like a failure. But I'm here to tell you that that's not true. And you really need to prioritize you, meaning the general you, need to prioritize rest. So if you didn't get enough sleep, I would much rather you work out on your lunch break or work out after work or maybe don't work out at all um, versus getting like five hours of sleep and then waking up and, you know, chugging along, like cranking out a workout when you're just – you have nothing to give. There's nothing in the tank. So um, I agree. It kind of sets the tone for your day when you're able to meditate and then reflect and move your body. But you know, life happens. So we have to be flexible, which I know is a something that you said high potential people have to be. So we should all yes. we should all be encouraged to be flexible in work and in life. Um, I've just learned so much from you. I feel like you provide such unique perspective because a lot of people that I interview, um, not all, but a lot of people are um they have worked in non-traditional industries or maybe they've always worked in the mm. wellness industry. And it's very rare to interview someone who's worked at places like Google and PepsiCo and like GE. Like these are, you know, iconic brands. And it's very cool to hear how you've translated that experience into something that is so impactful on a personal level for so many women. So I thank you so much for being here. And if you're a listener, you will know I ask everyone the same question to round out every episode. Um, so Shelly, I just want to know what does living a life well-lived mean to you? Ah, a life well-lived. The first thing that comes to mind is being a little tired at the end of the day. And for me, that comes from putting your energy into work that you care about and doing something towards your bigger why or your passion that we discussed and doing some things that you really enjoy as well. Like just doing some things to nourish your soul, your body. Um, Yeah. I find that when I'm not tired at the end of the day, I get kind of restless. I'm like, Oh, I didn't fully take advantage of this day. But when I, when I showed up for my work and I connected with people that I care about, or, you know, did something outside of work that felt good too, then I'm just like, that felt good. That is encouraging to hear because I'm tired every night when I go to bed right now. But Life you know, well lived. That is a that's a great perspective. I feel like a lot of your perspective is rooted in gratitude. And I can I could mm. sense that sense that before you even talked about your gratitude practice and your meditation. But I think that that really has translated into what you do for a living. And so I'm so appreciative that you take care of yourself and prioritize yourself enough in order to give so much abundantly to other people. Because that saying of you can't pour from an empty cup is so true. 
And you're a perfect example of that. Like if you go to bed and you're exhausted, it's because you gave everything and you didn't leave an ounce of your energy for yourself at the end of the day. You're just stretching and and probably hitting the hay, um, which tells me that, yes, you do indeed live a life well lived. So thank you so much for coming on the show. If people want to connect with you, how can they do that? Where are you on social and on the internet and all that good stuff? Yes. I love to hang out on LinkedIn. I'm on there every day. Uh, so Shelly K on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram. I'm not on there as much, but please still come find me at Hey Shelly K. And Shelly is with an E-Y. As opposed to an I-E. I wonder how other people spell as, it. As opposed to a Y with no E. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's my um, communications and journalism degree coming to good use. Did not know the proper spelling, I guess. But I think Shelly with an E-Y is perfect for you. And I'm incredibly thankful that you've imparted us with so much wisdom. Um, Please come back on the show anytime. You are always welcome. Thank you, Kayla. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, Please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Kayla underscore underscore Brandon. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.